Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how to grow their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Great Podcast. I'm just going to back up a little bit today because our guest just asked me, what is the GRIP podcast? Uh, so, you know, this is where we like to really dig in with entrepreneurs. We, uh, we have real estate team owners. We have technology leaders in the industry. Just really everyone that we think you should hear from to really add value to your business. And so I just want to start today's episode off with that. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu. Sisu is a SaaS uh, real estate growth automation software. I say, uh, I really should say the, because I think we're the only one out there. And I'm your host of the show. And today I have Randy Carroll here with me. I, I actually want to read a little bit of your bio, Randy. And I usually don't go back to college, but I'm going to go back to college today because you're young enough that I can do that. But look at that. See, he still has his college. If, for those of you who are watching, you can see he has his college t-shirt on. Sure but do. The, and I didn't even know that before I just said that. <laughs> but for those of you who are just listening, yeah, I'm telling you, he has his college t-shirt on and he has his uh, girlfriend's uh, college on a flag in the background. So uh, anyway, Randy received a degree in broadcast and electronic. Is that right? With a yeah, broadcast and electronic media. I've used that degree one time to date. Okay. And you have a business minor, which you have used, right? I'd like to think so. A little bit. Okay. Great. So the main thing I want to hit on here is while you were in college, you were a sports editor of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. So you love sports. As well as that, you were involved in the radio station. What did you do there? I was the station manager for two and a half years. Okay. So you probably love music or was that a talk radio show? Um, it was both. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, it was both. It was an FM station, but we, uh, I, I ran a, a sports talk show, but I had friends who, or I had people who ran musical music shows. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to point out was you were the student body president. Is that correct? I was. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so there's three things uh, a lot of people in today's world, and, and I call it today's world. I mean, I went to college a long time ago, but uh, Randy graduated about six years ago from what I can tell. Yeah. 2014. So, yep. Yeah. So, so that being said, Randy actually did three things that are very time consuming things while he was in college. And what I love about that, it just shows your grit, right? It just shows that like, you're not about sitting around and, and having people, you know, being enabled and, and just having people take care of you. Mm -hmm. You want to get out and get it done. And I, I love that about people. That's like the, the number one character I look for in people. So anyway, um, I'm excited to, to hear more about your experience in the real estate industry. But before we go there, is there anything else, Randy, that you would like to to tell us as your background or as an intro? Um, well, something that you don't see on my LinkedIn, um, I guess, was I also played two sports in college. Not very well, but I played them. Uh, so it was, that was a lot of fun. But uh, which, which sports? You can't just stop there. Which sports? Football and track and field. Okay. So uh, football, you were a wide receiver? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, defensive end. Defensive end. Okay. Yep. And then in track and field, what did you do? I did uh, shot put, discus, javelin, hammer, and pole vault. Okay. Awesome. So that's the other part of your intro that I missed. So thank you for bringing that back up. But <laughs> sports. I want to talk yeah. about sports because you obviously have a passion for sports. You played multiple sports in high school or did most multiple sports in high or in college. And um, also involved with sports as an editor and a writer. So my personal opinion is that sports like it really teaches people how to be competitive. Now that's assuming you get into competitive sports. If right. you get, if, if you're in the world of today, every kid gets a trophy on every team. Mm -hmm. I think that's a danger zone personally for our entire nation, but tell, let's talk a little bit more about sports. Like what is it about the competitive nature that, that drives you? Uh, well, it's because with sports, you're largely not handed anything especially when you're on a collegiate level and the coach's livelihood is riding on this, especially at the division two level. So I went to a division two school. So everyone listening is aware. I'm not, I'm not a great athlete. I just tried very hard. Um, and ultimately at the division two level, coaches want to move up to the next level, division one, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not going to be handed anything they're only going to play the guys they think is going to give them the best opportunity to win and that translates uh very easily into the startup world which is where i've spent most of my professional career yeah i mean i coached all three of my kids not my stepkids i have two more stepkids now but my three kids i coached all three of their basketball teams from my daughter didn't start till fifth grade but my other two started in kindergarten all the way through high school so Mm -hmm. um, just competitive teams. And I mean, as a coach, even at that level, like if I'm, if I'm coaching 15 year olds, mm -hmm. I'm not about to play to lose. Right. It's right. When I love this quote, winning isn't everything. It's, it's the, the only, only thing. thing. Right. I mean, yep. so, so if you, if you grow up with that mindset and that's your mindset through school, through sports, through college, mm -hmm. when you get into the business world, how has that impacted you? So I, I was told a similar quote when I was in high school. It was, uh, football isn't fun. Going out, playing, and winning, and then winning is fun. So yeah. did I love the 12 and 14-hour days I put in at my old job when we were a startup? Not, not in particular. Did I love three-a-days football practice? Not in particular. But when we went out and we won football games and when we sold the company I worked for and, you know, we all got to celebrate – all of those terrible times were completely justified completely. And, and I would have done it again, like truly. So it's, it's this, uh, especially in the team sport environment, right? When, when, when you're working in a startup that's run like a team sport, it's really exciting uh, for everyone to be putting in that grit together and then come out and win on the other side together. Yeah, and team sports are very much like running a business or being a part of startup like you talked about. Um, it's just every day is a grind, but if you can learn to enjoy that journey, and I think this is the same for all you realtors listening right now, if you can mm -hmm. learn to enjoy the journey, mm -hmm. 
and enjoy different things, whether it be the people you meet, the things you're learning, the growth you're having in your life, those are great things. If you can learn to enjoy those, your results are gonna be way better and you're going to enjoy the journey, which is, which is really a key to life. Well, make no mistake, uh, the term startup immediately gets associated with a small technology company, but realtors are a startup business of their own. You may, if you're listening, you may have grown out of this already, you know, 15, 20, 25 years in the business, you're probably out of that startup phase and you're enjoying the fruits of your labor. But for those of you who are newer into the business or you just started a team or you just opened a brokerage, you're very much a startup too. And you need to uh, lean in to the grind and to the grit and learn to enjoy it because it will pay off when you do that. Yeah. That's great advice. I would add to that, Randy, as well. And I'll use my wife as an example here. She runs a team of 25 agents. She's been in the business for 17 years. Mm -hmm. And you could say she's not a startup anymore. But if you told her that, she would argue 100%. I love it. Because number one, she's always growing. She's always looking to expand. She just Mm -hmm. added a brokerage. She just started a title company. And she's getting ready to start a mortgage company. There it is. So she she has actual startups. Right Absolutely. Right. And, and it's all intertwined in a way. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, um, I want to talk about that. You talked about being, you know, early stage in a startup. I mean, I want to hear more about that. That's, that's what excites me. Yeah. I've, uh, I've started a, you know, a dozen different companies in my lifetime and mm-hmm. some of them technology companies, some of those franchise companies and technology is my passion, which is why I'm back here today. Uh, that being said, um, I know you went to Sync about a year after going to college. Is that the, was Sync a startup at that time? Uh, yeah. Or was so, it prior to Sync? Uh, well, so I graduated on a Friday. I moved back to Atlanta Saturday, started a job at a staffing company on Monday. So I had Sunday to enjoy my freedom, and then it was straight to work. I worked for a staffing company for eight months until I met the president of Sync. This is a great story. Who, who was that at the time? It was Jason Hoback. Okay, Jason, okay. Jason's an awesome dude. He's left Sync since, but, yeah. um, and he spent some time as the CEO, but it was a Thursday night. And even though I'm from Atlanta, when I moved back, all my friends had moved out and I was finally done with sports in, any, in an amateur way. And I had never played rugby. So I wanted to play rugby. I joined the Atlanta men's rugby team. We practiced on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, Thursday nights after practice, the, the boys would generally go out for a drink. I usually wouldn't go, but this one night, they, they coaxed me into it with a few free drinks. So I went. While there in my sweaty, nasty rugby clothes, I met the president of Sync, Jason Hoback, because he was there for an event that some former colleagues of his had. So do you so, think that was by accident, by chance, or were you inspired to go that night? I was, I was, I was, I had divine inspiration to go that night. And um, no, dev- no I'm, I'm being serious about that because you said you were actually hoaxed into it. So do you feel like, were you really hoaxed into it? Or do you feel like, I mean, that was meant to, meant to happen? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a man of faith. So I, I, I believe that it was meant to happen, but 23-year-old me, 24-year-old me, was convinced by the free beers that was being uh, dangled in okay. front of me. So, That's fair. Okay. So, there, 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 I mean, there's, 
when you, when you peel back the layers, um, there it is. But um, Jason was there at, at an event completely unrelated. Um, we crossed paths. He said, you, you belong in sales, come work for my company. That was a Thursday. I interviewed the next Thursday. I started the next Monday. So awesome. that's exciting. So you actually headed up sales for sync, right? Uh, I was not the head of sales at, at the time. There was, I think, 10 of us in sales. I was working um, for, my, my boss was a, a guy by the name of Christian Radakovich. He ended up moving into various other, leading various other departments. Um, eventually, after the FNF acquisition, we started a, another product line for uh, lenders where I led sales there. I see. Okay, so let's talk. Go back to the day that you were recruited. Mm -hmm. How big was? How big was? For those of you who don't know, Sync. Most everyone listening to this podcast does because you're all mostly in real estate. But for those of you who don't, Sync is Commissions Inc. They were acquired mm -hmm. by Fidelity. Tell us how big was the company when you joined? How many employees? I was there? employee like seventy-two. Okay, so so pretty large, larger yeah. than my company is today. It, it was it, it was definitely. Um, they were doing about 14 million in revenue at the time, but you never would have known. Like yeah. the office, it was a very, very uh, humble office, I'll say, uh, run very lean, right? A lot of people yeah. wore multiple hats, but we were striving for unicorn style growth. Like by the time when we sold, we, uh, we were growing 20% quarter over quarter. Okay. So, so we did not spend money unless it was an absolute must. I, I know that world. I'm there yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. This, this is fun. So, so you went over to join Sync. You really had been, you know, with another company for eight months straight yep. out of college. So how did you, you know, how did you rise to the top? Um, I mean, not, not all the way to the top, but you, you certainly rose, right? Yeah, I would like to think so. I, um, I mean, we would work, we would get in 839 and be there until, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night, selling on the West Coast, selling to the West Coast, because we we're in Atlanta. So you were working 12 hour days. I'm just going to yeah. ask this because how many of you in real estate are working 12 hour days? I think a lot of people start in real estate because in hopes that they can work three hour days. Yep. Yeah. You'd think so. Yep. So anyway, I just want you guys to all ask yourself that question because it's, it's definitely a valid question. And, and uh, Randy was saying earlier, you know, when you get to where you're no longer in startup, you probably don't have to do 14 hour days or 12 hour days. But nope. when you start in this business, you better bust it and you better work or, <laughs> or you're never going to, you're never going to rise to the top. So I don't care what industry you go in, if that's what you want to do, that's mm -hmm. how much, that's how many hours you're going to put in. And I mean, you have no idea how many hours I'm up till two in the morning, you know, just, just making sure like, things are happening. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I remember when I started at sync, it was still known as, it still went by commission sync. So, um, people didn't know who we were, we would go to events and people would think that we were a commissions forwarding company. Commissions Inc., right? Um, we had to get a banner and big red letters that said lead generation and put it above our our booth at events for people to 
uh, attend for people to stop by and ask us more about our product. So we didn't really, um, so we were very much a startup in the sense that we were not well known, right? We didn't have the name recognition of Boomtown or Tiger Leads or, yeah. or some, you know, Market Leader, some of those folks. I find it incredibly ironic that we ended up acquiring Tiger Leads during my time at Sync because when I was there, they, they were the company that we were, we were targeting. We wanted to take out, we wanted to take Tiger Leads clients. Um, you wanted then, to take them out. So you literally did take them out. Congratulations. And you, you always get what you focus on, right? Yeah. I mean, you had to have goals, right? So it was Tiger Leads and then it was Boomtown and then we got acquired and then suddenly we had targets on our back. Right. Our acquisition was, I think, the fifth largest tech acquisition in the real estate space. So that was, um, to use a sports analogy, that was locker room material. Right? If I recall, that was 200 and roughly 220? 200, just under 250, I believe. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere in that range of 250 million. I know some uh, presidents over at Fidelity. Mm -hmm. that were involved in that acquisition, they told me it started at $100 million. So whatever you guys did to get it from $100 million <laughs> to, to $150 million, maybe that's the reason to hire an investment banking firm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that detail, actually. That's funny. Yeah. So anything else you want to share of that journey? And I'm just going through your history right now because I find it fascinating and congratulations. You know, it's Thank fun you. at, at your age. I was the CEO of a tech company and just raised $70 million. And that's, uh, you've had some of the fun involved in doing those things. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and a lot of growth along the way as you experience those things. Anything else at Sync that you want to share uh, about that journey? Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. After the acquisition in August of 2018, nothing really changed for our first year. That was pretty cool. Some of our clients felt uneasy, but I, maybe I shouldn't say nothing changed. About 80% of our leadership left after the acquisition. Uh, so that, that was tough. That was really tough. We definitely had some client service issues. Um, but, but operationally on the sales side, not a how, whole lot. How long did, what, before you move off that, how long did Jason stick around after that? He just left earlier this year. Okay. Yep. So he was there. A long time. Yeah. A couple of years. Yeah. A couple of years. Jason's great. I, I, I even think him sticking around was one of the reasons why FNF was interested. Um, yeah, my because guess he, is most acquisitions, and I've been on both sides of acquisitions, and 90% of the time, they're going to require at least a two-year, at least yeah, a two-year. Yeah, there was something like that built into it, for sure. Yeah, for him to stick around. Otherwise, uh, they may not have may not have made that acquisition. So. Right. Certainly not, not at that price point. Uh, but what was really cool, um, why it was so strategic, because we then suddenly had you know, FNF title execs to help make introductions. So that was really great. Um, but we decided to diversify into different verticals, and then we started a lender product. That was really interesting. I, I, I led sales there. Um, I got to learn more about the finance side of the business, which is translated to my job now at Chime. Got to go to more uh, mortgage, you know, finance-related events. Uh, that was an interesting perspective. It was a whole new sales it was a whole new product. So I got okay, to going see to a, going to a mortgage bankers association convention, which I've done as well. 
Uh, totally different than going to a real estate convention. Yeah, you don't really see guys walking around in Hawaiian shirts and cargo shorts. No, nope. if, if you're going to that, you better wear you better wear a blue suit and a you know and tie, right? Yes, yes, very much so. So uh, I got to do that, and we were launching a whole new product. So when I had arrived at Sync, it was it was uh, like I said, doing fourteen million dollars already. So it was not established per se, but it was it was a successfully running business. Um, this product line, I started from zero dollars. In six months, we were north of a million dollars in annually recurring revenue. And that was the, uh, the FNF acquisition was very helpful because I got to learn more. I got to get introduced to uh, some folks on the, on the mortgage side. It was very much a lead gen product. You know, Sync inherently is a lead gen CRM. Uh, there's a lot of CRMs in the mortgage space already that uh, integrated with uh, their LOS. And we didn't want to go down that path because of the additional security requirements necessary. So it was much heavier on the lead gen side, uh, which was an interesting experience. But ultimately, I found that I have, I'm far more interested in the tech side of it. So uh, working here at Chime, our value proposition is much more oriented towards bringing better technology to a brokerage so they can convert leads that they already know and love which seemed a little more natural for me. Okay, so you left about eight months ago. Uh, yep, uh, in October of last year, so oh, almost so, a year. So about a year ago. Yeah, okay, almost so a you year. Left, you left about a year ago to move over to Chime. Does Commissions Inc. still have the lender product? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Uh, to my knowledge, they do. Oh, I was, I, I was totally unaware of that. That's good to know. Yeah, I believe they do. I don't know how, how actively it's sold, but it's definitely still being serviced. All right. So you decided to go to Chime. Yep. What happened? Tell us the story. How did you make the decision? You've been on this amazing ride with, with Sync, and now you're at Chime. Mm -hmm. uh, Chime, for those of you who don't know, is another uh, CRM in the real estate space more yep. folks around technology. What I know about Chime, and uh, I mean, that this rings true for me because our company was 100% developed on an open API. And that's my understanding of how Chime came, came into the market as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, like I said, Sing was a startup when I got there. It was not, no longer a startup when I left. And I think there's something about the startup culture and environment that I appreciate a little bit more than you know the the established giant, if you will, and that's not to speak ill of them at all, because I cherished my time there, and if I could go over and do it all over again, I would, and I'd do it the exact same way. So um, when you left, how many employees did they have? When you say they were over okay. two hundred, approaching okay. two fifty, so um, tr about tripled in size in terms of headcount, and a lot of the start folks who were there during the startup phase had left. And so there was this sense that some people were coming in, you know, doing their nine to five and then checking out. And a lot of the folks who we had done the whole blood, sweat and tears thing with, uh, where, you know, sync was a part of who we were, uh, they had left and moved on. And mm -hmm. so that, that feeling of the end of the month, we've got to bond together and work together and, and everyone stays into the office until midnight to make sure we hit our number. That wasn't a really thing. Any, that wasn't really a thing anymore. You know, sales guys would leave the office at five on the last day of the month if they hit their number, regardless of where the company was. 
And um, that's, that's not like, a, it's just not a super exciting culture for me. And so Chime, when I came to Chime in October of 2019, during my interview, I, I, I flew in and I did a tour of the office, spoke to a lot of the folks, and it very much seemed like the environment I walked into when I first walked into Sync. So the environment I immediately clicked with, and I was also given an opportunity at Chime to work more on the strategic partnership side. And that was the next evolution in my career that I wanted to take. So uh, personally, I got to take the next step in my career. And then also from a business side, Chime more aligned with what I was passionate about. Okay, so Chime is, where is their US headquarters? Because they're actually based in China, right? So our headquarters headquarters is Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's our actual headquarters. Um, but we do augment our client services with some folks in Phoenix, and then our development staff is in China. Oh, the development staff is in China. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, that makes sense. So our, our sales team, the bulk of our client services team, um, you know, a lot of the back-end folks are all our back office for that matter are all in Phoenix. I'm remote in Atlanta. We've got a, another remote sales guy in Atlanta, a remote sales guy in Salt Lake, and then our uh, dev team in, in China. Okay, so how big, how many employees do you guys have at Chime today? Uh, in the US, we've got 50 with uh, between another 50 to 100 on the dev side in China. Okay. Yeah, so that number changes because the project they work, sometimes they're working on Chime, sometimes they're working on another project with a sister company. Okay, so you head up strategic partnerships at Chime. Mm -hmm. Tell us about Chime. I mean, a lot of people don't know that much about Chime. So tell, yeah. us, tell us more about Chime, uh, what, yeah. what you guys do. I think we're you know, the best kept secret in real estate, if you will. Chime, we play in the IDX CRM sandbox that I think so many people are familiar with already. But where I really think Chime begins to separate itself is the fact that we are uh, hyper-focused on lead conversion and integrating with best-in-class partners rather than lead generation and playing in our own sandbox. Um, a lot of our competitors are hyper-focused on generating leads and then consequently, you have to use their CRM. With us, we like to say we're lead agnostic. We offer digital advertising. If you want Google pay-per-click or you want Facebook Dare ads, we provide that service and we're getting good feedback from it. But if you're super happy with your digital marketer and you're just looking for a better piece of technology to convert the leads that you have already, or maybe you don't wanna do online leads at all, you just want a better CRM for your sphere of influence and referrals, our CRM is fluid enough to fit your business model rather than you having to fit the business model of the CRM. So you talk about open API integrations, like who are some of the companies you guys are integrating with? Yeah, so a company we're about to announce an integration with is a great digital marketer. I think they're probably one of the premier services in the space, and that's Ylopo. Uh, we're offering a CRM-only integration with them, and we've already gotten some great feedback from some of the folks who have jumped onto the integration a little early. Uh, we're officially rolling that out here probably October. And the Ylopo um, integration is direct? 
Uh, yep, that's a direct integration. But the beauty is because of our open API, we have direct integrations with companies that I'm not even aware of. Companies can access our API through api.chime.me and they can create their own integration you know, if they so desire. And that's something that really separates us as well because the idea of an all-in-one solution is a bit of a myth. And it was the ideal in 2015 when I got into this business, people were all aiming to be the all-in-one solution, but technology in the real estate space has come so far so fast that if you try to be an all-in-one solution, you're gonna be a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Yeah, great. Okay, so anything else you want to tell us about Chime before I before I jump out of that? Because really, we've just been hearing your story. So uh, anything else you want to share before? Um, yeah, sure. No, happy to. Uh, something that we've, we've done at Chime that uh, I'm especially proud of is we've built our own AI assistant. And this is a, a product that uses genuine artificial intelligence. It uses Google's machine learning product in order to help uh, convert and qualify leads. Uh, and the reason why I bring it up is uh, AI or artificial uh, intelligence has been such a buzzword in this industry. People use it when it doesn't necessarily make sense, but because it's sexy and sells, people will artificially use the term artificial intelligence uh, to sell their product, even though they don't have uh, genuine AI. Yeah, so. AI is certainly a buzzword, and you know, if you if you want to get away from that, you say machine learning, right? And then, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and and then now that's becoming the buzzword. So uh, you know, but the reality is, I mean, there's so much you can do with AI, and if you're talking about generating leads, I know that when I go to when I leave my office every day, it tells me I'm 10 minutes from my house, right? And mm -hmm things like that, uh, there's, there's so much intelligence that we don't have to do as humans that yeah. can be done for us. And when, when it comes to following up with leads, that can make a big difference for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest pain points in my experience with, with realtors is the time required to convert leads. How many times have I heard, I'll pay for 10 quality leads and convert one instead of 100 leads and convert one? You still convert, you're still converting a lead, but the amount of time that it takes to uh, find one out of 10 versus one out of 100 is significantly fewer. And with the AI assistant, we're pre-qualifying these leads so that you can speak with the folks who are actively saying they want to speak with a realtor, not necessarily the folks who are, you know, nine to 12 months out, you know, following up with unresponsive leads right? How many times do realtors call leads 10 times and they never respond? So um, yeah. the AI assistant helps carry that burden. There are a few companies out there doing similar things now, and I think this is all heated up and, and mm -hmm. it's become widely known that there's such a need for this because we've allowed, this industry has allowed companies like Zillow and realtor.com sure. to come in and say, okay, you're going to pay me 35% of every transaction. So I, mean, I guess there's a plug for you guys and anybody else doing what you're doing, but <laughs> if you want to follow up with leads, I guarantee you this software is way less expensive and any other yeah. software that has AI in it is way less expensive than paying Zillow and Realtor. 
Um, yeah. I'm not saying you're going to stop doing that, but you might as well have transactions that you're right. directly converting as well. Sure. I appreciate the referral model in the sense that it requires less overhead. I totally get that. Um, but when you calculate the numbers, you certainly get better margins for buying Google or pay-per-click leads and converting them than you do paying a 35% referral fee. The math makes sense to buy leads, but the ability to divert those funds from Zillow and rather pay a referral fee on the back end certainly brings value too. So you almost have to do a personal risk assessment and do you believe in yourself enough to convert these leads you're buying for $7 a pop? Or would you rather risk nothing up front besides time and effort and pay 35% on the back end? And for those of you who are unaware, if you have CSU, we will pull those numbers directly, the number of leads, the cost you're spending for each, mm -hmm. and we'll tell you exactly what your cost per closing is for every one of your lead sources so that you can make an educated decision about where you want to do this. And you, you may end up doing both. That, that, that feature right there is reason enough to pay for CSU. Knowing what your cost per transaction is, is invaluable. And if CSU is going to tell it to you without you having to do anything more than what you're already doing in your CRM, then you're going to be able to make such better educated guesses on how you spend your money. You're, you're going to see a huge lift in your business because you're not going to be wasting dollars on, on sources that never convert. So the transparency and the reporting that CSU brings to the table is an absolute game changer for, for your business. Yeah. So thank you for that. And also if your conversion if your cost for just take Zillow as an example, if you're actually paying for Zillow leads and not, not paying them 35% per transaction, mm -hmm. if you want to know your cost, right? Maybe, maybe you need to take your agents from a 50% split to a 30% split on certain types of leads, just because you know what your returns are, or maybe you only share those leads with the agents who actually convert it at a higher rate. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, yeah. so many decisions you can make as a business owner if you just know your numbers. Well, as much as real estate teams and brokerages are a real estate business, they're really a professional sales organization. Absolutely. So, so you have to have these, these critical sales numbers that companies like, you know, Microsoft and Oracle and Salesforce, they live and they drive decisions through these through these reports. So if, if billion dollar companies find this information important enough, why wouldn't you? So that, that is kind of my thought regarding reporting and keeping KPIs for real estate teams and brokerages. Um, even as an individual, you are a professional sales organization and you should treat it as such. Yeah. So thank you for that. That's, uh, I mean, that's just such valuable information for people. Um, I want to find out like, all of your experience, you've been in the real estate industry for six years, mm -hmm. not actually selling real estate, but seeing a, it's very similar to me. I'm sure you've spent a tremendous amount of time with some of these top teams and brokerages in the industry, and you get to see what's working. You get to see the, what the top people are doing. Mm -hmm. Do you, is there anything out there that just kind of stands out for you that you're like, hey, you guys, if you don't know this nugget, let me share it with you? Yeah, I would say... It's the, uh, the bulk of my experience has been in the world with, with people who are involved with online leads. So if you absolutely refuse to get involved with online leads, 
I, I can probably bring some value to your business, but not, not nearly as much. The folks who are investing in online leads, who uh, have sales exercises and sales training, who work on their tonality, who making follow-up calls nine and 12 months after the lead first came in, that's where the money's made. You know, make no, make no mistake, people ask for conversion numbers for online leads and they get one, two, 3%. That's, that, that's the low hanging fruit that's gonna transact in the next six to nine months. So you're talking about 97% or more of your leads who uh, may transact later in life. That is where the, where the money is truly made. So uh, the fortune is in the follow up, which is a cliche I think a lot of people have heard, but it's few who implement it. And that is going to absolutely take your business to the next level. Even if you never buy another lead again, you just follow up with all the leads you've already bought. Yeah, it's great advice. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hear your story and, and uh, looking forward to, to working with you guys closer as, as uh, time moves forward. Um, just something I'd like to ask is just some of those uh, questions that were sent over to you. Just, yeah, I want to know, like, what's the, what's your favorite book or source of learning that's had the biggest impact on your life? It could be a podcast, could be, you know, whatever that is. Sure. Um, so the, I'll start with the book. Um, the book that really changed my thinking in terms of luck and opportunity is a book called Outliers. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have read it uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, heavily recommend it. The concept of the book is Malcolm explores what looks like just straight luck style opportunities and scientifically discovers what about each circumstance resulted in this one in a million type opportunity from actually happening. So uh, again, it's called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. He's got another great book called David and Goliath. He's a really good author, but definitely recommend Outliers. Uh, in terms of ongoing learning, uh, I love podcasts. Uh, I used to travel 75% of the time back before you didn't have to wear masks in public. And uh, I, I, would, I would crush podcasts for sure. Um, Are there any podcasts that would stand out for you that you've just have loved listening to? Um, you know, Bigger Pockets has like five different podcasts and it's various themes, but I really like the library that Bigger Pockets has. I started listening to their real estate investing side just so I could get a, a hear from a different side of the business. Um, but they have other topics as well that I would recommend. Great. Okay. Thank you. And what's your uh, favorite place to visit? Favorite place to visit. So uh, something other than where you live. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? I got to say, if it's, if it's a beach and you can, and, and the water is warm enough to swim in, it's going to be my favorite place. <laughs> right. so, uh, I, lo right I love the beach. Uh, my dad lives on a small uh, scenic highway in the Gulf of Florida called 30A. Is that near, what, what cities are near there? It's just in between Destin and Panama City. Okay, so it's Destin. Um, yeah, so I went out to that area. It's a beautiful area. So what's the little city? I can't remember the little city that I was, uh, I spent quite a bit of time in, but uh, it's just right there next to Destin. Uh, well, you've got, uh, along the scenic highway 30A, 
you've got Santa Rosa Beach. Yeah, water Santa Rosa Beach. Santa Rosa yep. Beach is what I was talking about. Yeah, beautiful place. Absolutely gorgeous place. Uh, watercolor, Seaside, Seagrove, Rosemary. These are some of the popular places there. I know we have some clients down there. Um, amazing place to sell houses too, by the way. It, I mean, the water is beautiful. The, they've got that really fine quartz type sand. Yeah. Um, that's so white you need sunglasses to look at it when the sun sun's out but uh yeah great place heavily recommended yeah yeah i agree it's a beautiful place in your personal time what, what's your favorite thing to do i'm guessing it's playing sports but i don't want to put words in your mouth <laughs> well, once upon a time it was four four sports related surgeries later i am less active in sports than i once was uh, what I really like to do, my, my interest can be pretty much summed up by uh, Twitter follows. I use, I use Twitter as a source of news rather than entertainment. And you'll find on there all, all Atlanta sports. So Georgia Tech, Falcons, Hawks, Braves, crypto, the crypto world. I try to keep a pulse there. Finance, the finance world. I try to keep a pulse there. Just Reading so you about spare, those. Spare time, you're on Twitter. That's what you're telling us. Uh, honestly, yeah, kinda. Yeah. I just okay. I just installed a front porch like swinging bed. Yeah. And I, I, I may never leave my house again. I just go sit on that front porch uh, swinging bed. It's it's a twin size bed, so I can lay down on it. Oh, it's so comfortable. I <laughs> I, I love it. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, it's not that hard to install. Go do it. Do it now. Don't, don't ask why you will love it as soon as you sit on it. That's funny. I, uh, I have a daughter who's a little bit younger than you, but she, she just installed a hammock in her family room at her mm -hmm. house. So. <laughs> I, for, first I was a hammock guy. I was, I was a hammock guy, but then I'm a, a little large for most hammocks. So I went in the swing bed route and, uh, it was a huge upgrade. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, Randy, thanks for your time today. It's been great getting to know you. If somebody wants to reach you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, I would say the best way to get a hold of me is just shoot me an email. Super easy. It's my first name dot last name, Randy dot Carol, two R's, two L's at chimeinc.com. I'm Randolph Carol on LinkedIn because Randolph is more official than Randy. Uh, <laughs> Now, why, um, why is it you want to be official on LinkedIn? I need to understand this. Because when I first created my LinkedIn, I was a young, impressionable high schooler or college <laughs> person, and I needed, I needed to impress somebody. So. <laughs> so it may be time to update that to the real Randy, right? Yeah. I think that might be my actual name is the real Randy, the real Randy Carroll. <laughs> okay, Randy, thank you so much. It's been fun getting to know you. Um, again, we're, we're looking forward to working closer with you guys moving forward. And uh, for all you listeners out there, feel free to reach out to Randy. Thanks for listening to the show today. Uh, we would love to have you give us a five-star review. Love to have you share us with your friends so we can start getting this podcast out there even more. So please do that and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. 
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search Grit, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.